Welcome to the Clear Cruise podcast. My name is Andy Harmer. It's great to have your company. Uh, now, this is the second in a series of very special podcasts that were recorded at a live Clear event in the UK. Now, the event is the Clear Cruise Forum. It brings together some of the leaders from our travel agent community as well as from our cruise line community. Uh, now, the session that you are about to hear is led by Marie-Caroline Laurent. She is the Director General of CLEAR, based in Brussels. And it starts with a presentation. And then Marie-Caroline was answering questions put to her by the Editor-in-Chief of Travel Weekly, Lucy Huxley. Have a listen. For us, 2022, as CLEAR, the global industry, was very much a transition year. It has been mentioned. We were starting the year, and actually I joined CLIA a year ago, where I thought uh, COVID was behind us. We were looking at rebuilding, and then Omicron hit. So um, the beginning of the year was very much also disturbed by uh, these uh, different events. Where are we now, and, and, and what's, uh, what are we looking at? So really, again, we've, we've worked uh, extensively this year, the CLIA team, together with all of you here in this room, but also all our partners in the ports, in the governments, to reopen as many park markets as possible um, around the globe. This is a picture of where we are today. 100 uh, markets uh, are open to cruise. We obviously still have some challenges in Asia, uh, which is quite slow to reopen, but we are seeing some positive news in Japan in particular, and hope for a very um, a, a very quick reopening uh, of that market. This map is really a tribute. It's first of all a good news, but it's really a tribute to the work that we've been managing to do as, a as an industry jointly. Obviously, our CLIA members, but again, all of the ports, the agents that are working in the different countries. This is where we are in terms of reopening of our market, and also the good news um, is that our fleet is back. Um, you can see here the uh, trends that we've seen throughout the uh, last, the few last months. Uh, we were hoping to be back at 100% this summer, as hoping we will go back to our 2019 level. This is just an illustration of the fleet profile. What, why is it important? It has been mentioned that this year, despite COVID, we didn't stop on launching new vessels. We had more than 20 vessels uh, launched this year. That is important. Why? Because the cruise industry was strong enough financially to keep their orders, to keep building new vessels, and to launch them very shortly after the COVID restriction uh, were stopped. So this is for us also an amazing picture of the strength and the resilience of our industry, looking also at the diversity of the offer that we have. Thanks to COVID to some extent, uh, as since some of the oldest ships had been retired, we have the newest ever fleet uh, with an average year of 14 years for the, the, for the fleet of CLIA members, which is great. The, the ships are, uh, are new, are refurbished, uh, offering a renewed experience to uh, our customer. What is interesting in that trend, that's the picture of today, how our fleet looks like, where you see still uh, a number of, uh, of vessels uh, less than 
1,000 lower berth. When we look ahead at the future orders, and we have, for the next four years, more than 45 billion of euros, sorry, euros, um, uh, that are invested in building new vessels. And what we see in that trend for the new vessels to be launched is that you will actually have a much more clear trend with a lot, uh, half of the new built will be more than 4,000 lower berth, and the other half will be less than 1,000. So we see also these trends, and we saw the questions as an opening uh, from Lucy in terms of looking forward to this large vessel, family holidays that will continue, but also uh, a big investment in expedition vessels, smaller vessels, more from the luxury grounds. So back in 2020 and 2021, obviously uh, quite sad numbers, but we see uh, for 2022 that we are also um, we have some trends uh, that we will be publishing uh, towards the end of this year uh, in a few weeks. Uh, we, again, we're still more of a transition for 2022, but the numbers and the projections for 2023 look good. And as you can see, we're still hoping to be back at the level of our passenger numbers uh, for next year. Has been mentioned in the beginning, the sentiment data is extremely good based on our latest CLIA surveys. The cruisers will cruise again, but we also see much more interest from the non-cruisers. I was one of them, now I've been convinced. Uh, but, and I see that is also an interesting trend for us, uh, and that's related to, our, to the work we do in conveying that cruising can be an amazing experience to discover the world. After all the COVID restriction and traveling to different countries with your passes and different rules, cruising becomes a very attractive type of holiday that facilitates uh, the process, that is a smooth experience with taking care of our passengers, uh, bringing them to different countries, um, but also addressing some of the concerns that we see from younger generation around the sustainability of their activities. This is an interesting um, chart uh, coming again from our latest CLIA survey in terms of the average age of our cruise tourists, but also a strong, a strong trend uh, showing that millennials are becoming more and more enthusiastic for cruising. That is why, when we speak about sustainability, this is why it's also important for all of you in this room, uh, for travel and trade community, to uh, be able to articulate why cruising can actually be one of the most sustainable tourist forms uh, in the coming years. A few data, because that's also for us important uh, to uh, explain, and uh, in the UK, I know that uh, the team had, had amazing success in explaining and articulating how the cruise industry contributes to the local economy in terms of the jobs that we support, the spending, of course, of the tourists uh, in the destination, but also being part of an integral of the ecosystem of tourism, the fact that the passenger that we bring to the shore six out of ten will go back to this destination for a land-based holiday. And this is a very important element, especially in Europe, as I'm spending a lot of my time in Spain, France, Italy, to explain the value of cruising, where sometimes you have some concerns from the destination around 
is it worth welcoming all these vessels? Are there some congestion issue? But we need to be absolutely clear about the value of our activity in terms of providing a window, of, uh, a window to the destination for all different passengers that we're bringing from the world. So this that supports um, our efforts and really is an important uh, element in terms of being including cruising as part of the overall tourism development in the different countries we visit. Sustainability was indeed the, the topic uh, we want to discuss and I will very shortly again um, highlight a few of our key progress for this year. Um, the cruise industry, CLIA members, have committed to a clear net zero carbon cruising by 2050. 2050 is uh, far away, uh, but uh, it is important for us to take these commitments uh, and show our leadership. This is a much more advanced target than what the other actors of the maritime industry have been taking, for instance. And what is this net zero carbon cruising? Because that can be sometimes quite confusing. That means that we're not necessarily looking at offsetting or emission. We are looking at investing in new technologies that will eliminate the emission. So when we speak about net zero cruising is really the promise that when we will go to the destination, where we will sail at sea, there will be no emission from our vessels. This is one of the clear vision uh, that uh, CLIA members this year have adopted. Linked to this is also a commitment to connect to shoreside electricity at ports. Why would you care about that? That's obviously very important for the cruise companies to help reduce their emission, to just plug in when they are at port. But it is very important for the ports themselves. By plugging in, so the, by plugging in for a ship, it represents around 10 to 20% of their emission reduction, which is already amazing. But for the port, if they can connect the different ship, it represents an 80% of reduction of emissions. So the local air quality is significantly improved for the citizen, and this contributes again to the acceptability um, of the cruise activities, of the maritime activities in this destination. The third uh, commitment and action is uh, our support to the call to action to shipping decarbonization that was launched uh, in Edinburgh in uh, the last COP of last year, uh, which is uh, for us the call to governments to clearly articulate uh, some uh, policies in support for the decarbonization of the maritime industry as it has been already mentioned, alternative fuel investments, new builds, connection to the electricity, and working with governments to achieve this. I will uh, just say a few words about how we are thinking about it. And uh, we, we speak a lot about emissions, CO2 emissions, and the focus is obviously uh, on this a lot in the context of the international discussions as well. We have, however, as the cruise industry developed a much more comprehensive approach to our sustainability, covering the different elements and the different impacts we can have on the environment. So this is our three-pillar approach and action plan, so to say. Uh, the first one is, as I've already mentioned, reducing the carbon footprint of our ships while at birth and at sea. That goes along with shoreside electricity, new propulsion solution for our vessels, and the new vessels that we see coming out of the shipyards are really packed with this new technology 
alternative fuel, fuel cell that will uh, facilitate uh, and support the achievement of that objective. The second uh, pillar is important not to forget. It's all around reducing the impact of our hotel activities on board. So the management of our waste, uh, the management of uh, water uh, consumption uh, as well. This is important, uh, again, showing the leadership of our industry. We have some of the most innovative and advanced um, recycling facilities on board of our vessels. It's not well known, uh, but it is participating to the fact that you can take a cruise and have a positive and a concrete action on the environment. And the last pillar is uh, partnering with our cities and ports for sustainable tourism. Again, we have the tools as a cruise industry to have a better managed tourism activities in the destination, avoiding congestions, being able to bring our passengers to experience different activities on shore uh, without having them uh, to queue for hours in one single church or uh, monument. The cruise industry can bring that, can bring this expertise to the destination, and we have launched several partnerships in the Mediterranean to make sure that we can help this destination provide a better experience and better manage their tourism approach. I will not bore you with too many statistics. This is based on our latest environmental technology reports that shows the progress uh, that I have mentioned in terms of our new built vessels, in terms of wastewater treatment, um, emission reduction, uh, but also um, uh, new technologies that are being uh, equipped on board. When I speak about shoreside electricity, it's an important element to understand. Today, our fleet is at 40% capability to plug, to connect. This is amazing for a technology that, is not, that has not been developed such a long time ago. Um, we are leading the maritime sector in that, uh, in that aspect. And the promise from all CLIA members is that we can connect by 2030 in European ports uh, whenever the, this capability to connect is available. So we are ready. Now we need also the ports and the governments to support the infrastructure. Um, this is, uh, the, th these are some data about our future fleet, and I'm sure you will receive these slides and this information separately, but continuing the investments in new vessels to build new experience also for all passengers. I will finish here, and I'm happy to have more of a discussion. Our main message, and for us, the work that we do every day with governments, with destination, is really to break the bias about cruising as a traditional uh, maritime tourism activity, is to really demonstrate every single day that sustainable cruising is possible okay. and that cruising is an integral part of the sustainable tourism strategy that governments are calling for, that passengers and um, customers are looking for as well. To achieve that, we have put the money on the table, our new vessels have de are demonstrating uh, our commitments every day, but we also need, again, the close partnership with our ports, governments, destination, local authorities, you guys in the room to really convey that message and uh, make sure that we get the infrastructure we need, uh, but also the recognition that we deserve on this progress. Thank you very much, and happy to take any questions. Come take a seat. Do you want to? Yeah, fine. Come take a seat. 
All right. We've got lots of questions. Some have come in on the app, so I've taken a note. Uh, I'm not sure if Andy can speak yet, but you can, we'll come I'll to try. you in a second. I'll try. Um, I want to talk about sustainability, but before we do, because some of those uh, stats were very interesting that you put up about, you know, uh, the numbers of people cruising. I was particularly interested, you said, um, you know, that millennials, why have they suddenly become so interested and what can we do to make sure we convert? I think, again, and this, this is based on our survey, um, there's two factors here. There's the fact that uh, cruising is a family experience, so the millennials have been discovering cruising with their parents or grandparents and discovering that this is actually a great way to discover the world. Um, there is also this trend of more expedition cruising, uh, more the, the development if not expedition cruising, but of uh, traditional cruise, which offer new excursions uh, experience as well. So we see also with the efforts around having um, different excursion, more sustainable activities, more active excursions, uh, that fits also the millennials' expectation. Yeah, absolutely. And then you also talked about you know, converting these non-cruisers, and there's like 67%, I think your figures were, that saying they're keen yep. to try it. Um, and then you said something like it's almost more attractive post-COVID because you're saying we, we're looking, you know, they see that the cruise industry really looks after people and provides this smooth experience. So should we be really pushing that now? These are people ready, they want to come, and we've now got this better story almost. To be honest, and again, I can speak with my own personal experience being new to cruising, uh, the fact that you can discover three, four different countries within seven to ten days without necessarily having to worry about border controls, because that is something we will see in the coming years uh, as a new trend and hurdle, additional border controls and requirements coming through. Um, so without having to worry too much about your administrative burden and uh, how and what you can discover uh, is really, I think, a, a, a good opportunity for cruising to expand. Great. All right. Let's, let's move on to talk about um, decarbonisation and the sustainability piece, because it's very important. We talked a lot about uh, LNG as an alternative fuel, but obviously Disney's just announced it's going to have this green methanol. We interviewed you, we got some questions, some quotes from you. You were saying it was a very promising fuel type and great potential. So wh why is that? So first of all, LNG is still a transitional fuel. It's a fossil fuel. Nobody's trying to pretend that it's the fuel of the future, but it is the one that we have invested in since 15 years. So the ships, the LNG ships that you see today being launched, they've been ordered <coughs> at least 15 to 10 years uh, ago. So that was our first response to reduce uh, some of the uh, concrete emissions. And what's the beauty of LNG? It provides some reduction in CO2, 20% around, but more importantly, it eliminates sulfur and NOx uh, and particulate matter, which are the the, um, the emissions that have the most impact on the health or the air quality. Yeah. So this is already a great progress. What's the next step? Because it's still fossil fuel. Indeed, it's an array. It's a different um, range of fuel options. Uh, methanol is one. Uh, for the LNG ship, we're looking also at some uh, biomethane, synthetic methane transition. Um, there are already today pilots in the different cruise uh, vessels to see how we can increase the use of biofuel, obviously sustainable biofuel first, but also the transition to synthetic fuel. So methanol is one of the options. It will depend on how it is produced and the different uh, 
um, supply options that are being developed in the different countries. Uh, but that's uh, it's a, a, diff a different sort. Absolutely. Because I think, I mean, you put the figures up about 11 ships currently, but I think I, I looked at some stats. It was by 2028, 32 of CLEAR's 279 ships would be powered by LNG. Absolutely. And I was going to ask you what you thought that number would be by, say, 2050, or do you actually think it will slow down because these other yeah. alternative fuels will take over? It will probably. Uh, yeah. And again, I have no crystal ball on this, uh, but LNG is still a promising transition technology uh, for at least the next 20, 30 years. Uh, but as we will see new build ship, uh, we will be see more uh, technologies that are more hybrid, looking at fuel cell, for instance, uh, combination with batteries, uh, alternative fuels. Yeah. Um, yeah. More and, and I guess, you know, you, you touched on it there, but how much is the se sector's ability to decarbonize depend on actually on the ports themselves. I mean, we're doing a lot, well, the industry, I say we, I like to think I'm part of the industry, <laughs> but the cruise industry is doing a lot, but the ports, it's so crucial, isn't it, that they're providing, the supplying the, you know, the charging points, etc. I mean, Joe made the point to me that the cruise industry's committing, yeah. but why are the ports not, why is it not compulsory, for example, for every port to have shore power? So it, it will be compulsory by 2030 in the European Union. So each port in the European Union um, will have to equip with shoreside electricity. So that's the good news. CLIA was very supportive of this uh, development. I know that in the UK there are some discussions around the deployment of shoreside electricity. Southampton, in a way, is the first yeah. port that deployed uh, this capability. Um, so we see that definitely there will be an obligation for the ports to equip, which is the good news. So things yeah. are moving, um, things are happening, and not in 2050, but in the next five years. Right, all right. You referenced uh, COP26, but you haven't said much about COP27. <laughs> Samantha said it was pretty you know, underwhelming what came out of that. Was there anything that came out of that that would be encouraging for the cruise sector? So COP27 was very much focused on uh, supporting developing countries in their transition and the notion of equal treatment and, and uh, bridging the gap between developed nations and developing countries. So in that context, uh, there was less attention to the maritime sector, but for me and for, for our industry, it's a reminder that the cruise industry, by going to different countries around the globe, and we've seen the map, uh, will also contribute to the innovation and efforts done in the different countries, not just in Europe and in the US. So yeah. that is more into that context. All right. Okay. Um, I'll come to the app in just a second, Andy, but I just wanted to, we, we just had our second annual sustainability summit at Travel Weekly, and we had some exclusive research from Google, which found that, um, most people think sustainable travel is more expensive. Half said they would be prepared to pay for it, but not too much. And uh, about a third said they, they just don't know how to make the right choices. So how much, you know, in terms of the education or how we communicate it, we're clearly not getting the message through to everyone that how they can you know, travel sustainability, even though they might want to. So what, what do we need to do in, with that respect? What's really interesting, I think, also for the cruise industry is that we've not been looking at offsets, or unlike maybe uh, what you can see in the uh, aviation, where you're asked to pay for your, you pay for your flight and you have to pay for an offset of some sort. Um, the investments uh, from our industry is really looking into the new vessels, um, and this is then built into your whole travel experience. Uh, so that's. That's really, and that's why for me it's important to explain this concept of net zero cruising that is not built on 
compensation, but really on the investment into the new technology. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of the communication, I think definitely we need to do better at explaining what this is about, that by taking a cruise uh, in the Mediterranean, uh, considering the experience, the activities, the destination you will visit, compared to a typical land-based holiday that would cover more or less, of course, in a realistic way, the different same countries, cruising is definitely uh, a good option when you look at the CO2 emissions. Yes, we need so to make that comparison and tell people about it. Because it's got, you know, you mentioned it there about working with ports to avoid congestion and things like that, but also the cruise lines are not just doing stuff on board in terms of waste and stuff, they're also making their shore excursions, they're using more hybrid or, or, or electric bike, vehicles, bike bi tours, more bike tours, kayaking tours, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's clearly a big development that we should be talking about as well. Absolutely, and I think some of our companies are making sure that for each and every uh, destination they have at least one excursion that is uh, sustainable or has a slightly different approach. Uh, we see more and more developments, for instance, instead of using buses, use trains or uh, alternative type of, uh, of mobility. It's, it's really uh, a great development, but it's also what our passengers are, are asking, asking for. for mm. Yeah, brilliant. All right, Andy, uh, can you speak? How do different <coughs> countries welcome cruise ships? Is it I tried. universal, you know, they love us coming, or do you have different reception no, at different places? And of course, so you can see or you can probably read it in the media every day, or not, not every day, luckily, but uh, during the summer at least. Uh, obviously, some part of uh, the population in the destination are worried or are concerned around the emissions, as I mentioned, uh, around some uh, over-tourism uh, activities. Um, this, however, remains a small part of the destination, and this is also the effect we've seen after COVID, is that in many of uh, the cities, including in Barcelona, Marseille, Norway is one of them. The fact that you had zero cruising for so for very yeah. long months has impacted their local economies. And so you see much more vocal supporters now. So that's for us an interesting trend. Of course, you will still have some uh, groups that uh, will be raising concerns around the cruise activity, but you have a vast majority now of people coming forward to say, no, we actually need uh, the cruise industry. Yeah. And as I mentioned, cruise is not the reason for over-tourism or congestion in the destination. In most of the destinations that we speak about, the actual number of cruise tourists is around 8 to 10% compared to the overall mass of the tourists, tourism. Yeah. So it's about managing uh, these flows. And that's just about all we have time for in this episode of the Clear Cruise podcast. A big thank you to Marie-Caroline Laurent, Director General of Clear Europe, and also, of course, to Lucy Huxley, our host and presenter at the Clear Cruise Forum in the UK. And thank you for listening. Now, remember, you can head to cruising.org for a whole bunch of resources, information and learning all about the cruise industry and for a number of resources on the efforts that the industry is making around sustainability. We look forward to seeing you next time for our next podcast. Until then, take care.